0: The Bible said, and Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. And if you were here last night, you know the cause of that. It's because his master's wife uh, tempted him and then lied on him. And the Bible said in verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did he was there, he was the doer of it. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. It came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt, And his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers, and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them inward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. They continued a season inward, and they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore, look ye so sadly today? They said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me them, I pray you. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph, and said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. It was though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Pharaoh said unto him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days, yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place. Thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou wast his butler, but think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket there was of all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh. And the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee, and shall hang thee on a tree, and the birds shall eat thy flesh from off thee. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, Then he made a feast unto all of his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted, to them. Yet did not the butler remember Joseph, but forgot him." I want to preach for a few moments tonight on this subject, Joseph and his secret. When I speak of the secret of Joseph's life, I don't mean that he's trying to hide something or that he has skeletons in his closet. But I simply mean that there are some things in Joseph's life that are not readily Uh, or easily seen. You must look very close if you see these things. Uh, They are secrets in his life. But the closer you read, it seems as though that they began to surface. Uh, The other day, my wife revealed unto me the secret as to why she married me. She said it wasn't for my money. I didn't have any. And it wasn't for my Uh, strength, I wasn't that strong, but she confessed that it was for my brains that she married me. She said, after all, it was the little things in life that counted. (laughs) Well, we find secrets every day, I guess, that are keys to our lives. And as we look at Joseph tonight, I want to look at three secrets or three things that you must look close for. They're not very obvious. The first thing that I want to point out to you that I find in our text is what I call the secret feelings of Joseph. Now, Many times when we look at Old Testament characters, they're little more than cartoons to us. And somehow we think that they are above stature and that they don't have feelings like we have. Many times because we preach the glorious sides of these men's lives Uh, we fail to see that uh, they also had some hardships and trials, and they faced many afflictions like we all do. They were common, as we are. And can I assure you tonight that uh, all of Joseph's life was not glorious, but uh, he had some feelings about how he was treated. Now, it's not written on every page and in every verse. You must look closely. He doesn't wear it on his shirt sleeve, so everybody knows that somebody talked about it. Everybody knows that he has been mistreated. He's not that type of person. But yet, if you will look uh, very close, you can see that he also has some feelings about how he has been treated. I notice that he has some emotional feelings in verse number 14 and 15 of chapter number 40, uh, Joseph reveals this for the first time. Notice in verse 14, he says to the uh, uh, one of the servants of the king that's going to get out of jail, he said, but, when, uh, but think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed, I was stolen away. Now, as far as I know, this is the first time, I know it's the first time in Scripture, that Joseph has ever expressed what happened to him and the reason that he is down there. He said, I've been stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me in this dungeon. That word dungeon means a dark pit. And so you can see from what he says unto uh, the butler, he is not having a picnic. He has some feelings emotionally about how he has been treated and and as to why he's in the predicament that he is in. It's not that he is enjoying this. It's not that he would rather be here, but he has accepted God's lot for his life, and here... He reveals just a little bit. He opens the window just a little bit as to, as to his feelings about right. the situation. Yeah. Notice with me in chapter 41 and verse 51-52. He's not only suffering emotionally, but he is suffering mentally. And we never know what kind of suffering we're going to go through uh, in this life. I know if you watch TVN and some of the television uh preachers, they would convince you that it is never God's will for you to suffer. Well, you'd never convince Joseph of that after what he has went through. But notice with me in verse 51, verse 52 of, of Genesis 41. The Bible said, And Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. For God, said he, hath made me to forget all my what? toil and all my father's house. Now you know that a man is hurting when he names his child in relationship to the circumstance that he has gone through. It is evident there that something is is bursting within his bosom over over the afflictions and hardships and how and he says there made me forget my toil and all my father's house. Oh the longing that had been in his soul to to reach back in time and to see his daddy and, and his home place, but he couldn't do it. Right. Verse number fifty two, he just thinks he's over it. Because he has another son and he calls him Ephraim. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my what? My affliction. He's not loving Egypt. It's not a thrill to him to be there. He has again accepted God's lot for his life. And he is going through these afflictions as God has appointed for him. But yet he has some feelings about it. He has some emotional feelings. He has some mental feelings about how that he has been treated. But you know, Joseph also suffers physically. In Psalm 105, uh, the Bible tells us in verse 16, Moreover, he called for a famine upon the land, and he broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, whose soul was sold for a servant. Verse 18, whose feet they hurt with fetters, and he was laid in iron. Joseph not only suffered mentally, he not only suffered emotionally, but he also suffered physically. I'm trying to suggest unto you that Joseph was a man of sorrows on many accounts. He reminds me of the Lord Jesus who also suffered at the hands of men according to the will of God. Suffering emotionally and mentally and physically. And what I'm trying to do is encourage your heart and my heart to let us know that we too will suffer in these areas. But we don't suffer alone. There are others who suffer with us in these areas But I I, I want to mention three things about suffering before I move on to my second thought. I'm talking about his secret feeling. Someone would ask the question, why did Joseph have to suffer? Look how mean his brethren were. How wicked and ungodly. Why was it not that they were the ones that were sold into Egypt? How come they were not the ones that had to be the slaves? And the age-old question is, why do the righteous have to suffer? But here I want you to notice with me, there are three reasons why God has ordained, now listen to me, three reasons why God has ordained for every one of his children to suffer. We will suffer. All they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer. It has been been ordained. Uh, uh, Peter said, after ye suffer a while, God will establish you. And uh, someone said, but why do we have to suffer? Why doesn't God put us in fragile packages and write, Handle with care on the side. It'd be so much sweeter and so much better. But yet God is a God who will almost hand his and over to the devil as he did Job and say, do the best you can do, but when you're done, he'll still be my servant. Thank God. And I notice that Joseph goes through this. Christ went through this. And you and I will go through this. But why do the righteous have to suffer? Let me mention three things that I I find here in my text. First of all, I believe that God ordains suffering because suffering is the only thing in this world. Suffering is the only thing in this world that can recognize and identify suffering in other places. Look with me here in these uh, verses. Uh, Verse uh, number 6. Joseph comes into the prison. And the Bible said, Joseph came in unto them in the morning, and what did he do? He looked upon them. Before he ever talked to them, before they ever said a word, he looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. Well, I want to ask you something. How did Joseph know that they were sad? I'm going to tell you how he knew, because many times he had sat where they were sitting and felt what they were feeling, and when he looked into their eyes, he saw the same emotions that he had already went through, and it was easy for him to identify suffering because he had already suffered the same way that they had. And God allows suffering in your life and your life and my life so that when suffering comes along, we won't throw our heads up in the air without any compassion. But we will reach out with true and genuine concern because we have tasted of the bitterness of that suffering. <laughs> Hebrews 2.18, talking of Christ, for in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. He knows what it's all about. And for him, when God allows you to go through pain, isn't it isn't amazing that the very thing that you go through you will begin to run into person after person after person that's going through the same thing you are going through, but you never even realize that it was ever even around until you went through it. Yeah, right. Suffering identifies suffering. And God wants it to be that way. He wants you to be able to reach out with a heart and bear the burden of someone else and weep with them and pray for them and be sincere. But the only way you can is you must suffer yourself and know what it feels like. Amen, amen. Yeah, I heard of a little boy that went into a store and, and he wanted to buy a puppy. He was with his daddy and in this one cage there were four puppies healthy and in another cage there was a little puppy with a stunted leg by itself. And he asked the little boy, asked the storekeeper, he said, why do you have the four puppies here and the one there? He said, well, son, we used to have this puppy over here, but he's got a bad leg, and we didn't figure anybody wanted that puppy, and so to to save the problem of a decision and explanation, we put him over here by sale." The little boy got his daddy by the hand, walked over to the side, and they talked a little while. He came back over to the storekeeper. And the pet owner, he said to him, Sir, I'd like to have the little puppy in the cage all by himself. Oh, but he said, Son, you don't understand. He's got a bad leg, a stunted leg, and you'd have to pay the same price for him as you would for these. Why don't you want a good puppy? And about that time he reached down, the little boy then began to pull up his pants leg. And as he did, the store owner could see of the steel that was going up and down his leg as he had the braces upon them. And he looked up with tears in his eyes and he said, sir... I've had a bad leg all my life. I was born with a bad leg and I don't mind having a puppy that's got a bad leg. Now why is that so? He had suffered in that area and he could relate to someone else that was suffering. And honey, if you're going through something tonight, let me encourage your heart to let you know that it's not in vain. Uh, God has someone else that he's going to send into your life that you can touch them and be a blessing to them as Joseph was able to recognize the suffering that went on here. Suffering, why? Because it identifies suffering. Can I say to you, the second reason why God allows us to suffer is because suffering intercedes or prays for suffering. Now, notice with me, uh, the scripture tells us, in verse number 20, the master took him and put him into prison. Chapter 39, verse 20 a place where the king's prisoners were, and he was bound. Now, I don't know how much praying Joseph did at this time. He is, I, I tell you, he is totally devastated. And you know as well as I do that in hours of devastation, it seems as though that you can pray the least. I don't know why it's that way. Uh, at times when you when you need to pray the most and you need to be able to get a hold of the throne the most, it seems like the God's the farthest away, and somehow you can't reach out and grab him. Yeah. And I, I somehow think that Joseph probably was like you and I. He wasn't able to pray that night, yeah. but I got good news for you. He didn't have to pray. His suffering prayed for him. Because the Bible said in the next verse, And the Lord was with Joseph. Honey, if you ever want God to come by your side real quick, you get into suffering and he'll come because he's always with his ones. that's suffering. Suffering will pray for the sufferer. When you're laying on your back and somehow you just can't form a prayer, he's there. He hears your heartbeat. He heard the cry of the children of Israel. And so suffering is given because it intercedes suffering. It, it identifies suffering. But you know, I believe also that suffering is given because it immortalizes the sufferer. Why am I preaching from the life of Joseph this week? Was it because he was a king uh, or, or a prime minister? who rode in golden chariots and wore uh, fine linen for clothing. That's not why I'm preaching on him. I'm preaching from his life because of the devastated suffering that he went through. He became immortalized because of his suffering. What is it that we preach about Christ? Oh, it's not. His miracles that count, thank God for every miracle that Christ performed while he was here. But I'm going to tell you, his miracles never saved a soul from hell. Not one. His miracles were not what immortalized him. What is it that we preach that brings men into the kingdom? We don't preach that Jesus was able to, to heal the sick and give sight to the blind for salvation. No. What do we preach? We preach that Christ died, was buried, and rose again the third day. What is it that immortalized Christ? It was his suffering. Man of sorrows, what a name, for the Son of God who came. His suffering was such a, to such a great extent that it gave him a name that was above every name. Can I say to you tonight, those who have had the greatest impact upon my life have been those who have went through the hardest hardships and the deepest valleys. They became a witness and a testimony to my life, and I could not forget them. And so I say to you, Joseph uh, tonight has a secret, and it is his feelings that he goes through as a result of what has happened to him. Can I move on secondly and say to you, not only do I notice some secret feelings in Joseph's life, but I also notice a secret force in his life. Now this would have surprised many in his day. Because in fact, he was the only one that knew and believed that God was the orchestrator of everything that was happening and he was the one that had to tell his brethren and they were in shock to realize that it was not them that did this or even though humanly speaking it was but it was God who allowed it and they couldn't have done it unless God had allowed it. Jesus was not overpowered by soldiers and put on the cross. He said, I lay my life down. I have power to take it again. Oh, listen. Joseph is mistreated by his brethren and he is he is put in a pit and then he is sold and he is bought. But none of those who are doing the buying and the selling and the lying as Potiphar's wife did and the mistreating and the closing of the sale, those, none of those would ever imagine that God was anywhere around. Right. <laughs> but he was. He's on top of it all. Amen. Well, here it is as if Uh, Reuben and Judah and all them boys, they would have been surprised to think that God had anything that they thought they did it. They didn't do it. God orchestrated it. Now go back to Psalm 105 and you notice how God is the force behind Joseph's life. There are no accidents tonight and the devil is not able to take over. God is the force that is behind all of our lives. Notice verse 16 again. Talking about God. Moreover, He who God called for the famine. Sounds like to me that God is the force behind creation. He is the one that called for the famine because it was the famine that caused uh, 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 that there would be no wheat and uh, there'd be no barley and the brethren would get hungry and it it was the famine that ultimately pulled them down into Egypt so that Joseph could save them. God controls the elements. All of them. He's the force behind it all. Now don't tell Washington we got this thing going on in the last couple of weeks, three weeks. Democrat convention and Republican convention and they're all up there bragging about what they've done. Well, honey, God could shut this thing down at the Amen. wink of an eye. It ain't that bunch of politicians up there. I don't care what side you're on. Somebody said right wing, left wing. As far as I'm concerned, they're both part of the same bird. Make no difference. They're not the one kid. They want to take all the credit for everything things happen. I wonder who they're going to blame when it falls apart. Because it's going to one of these days. We better be thanking the Lord for what we've got. Yeah. Moreover, he called for a famine. God did. And he broke the whole staff of bread. But notice in verse 17. Them boys thought they sold. Somebody said, they sold Joseph. No, they didn't. The Bible said God sent him. <laughs> That's a lot different, isn't it? And even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters, and he was laid in iron until the time that his word came and the word of the Lord tried him. Sounds to me like God controls creation and God controls the clock. He said, until the time. And God is in control of his child. It is the Lord that is manipulating and moving and orchestrating and putting light, Joseph's life together for his glory. Amen. All things, the Bible said, work together for good to them of God, to them that are called. You know, you could take Joseph's life and you could outline it by his coats. Have you ever thought about that? I thought about that as I studied through this. He had one coat that was the son's coat. That's the one that the boys took off his back and dipped in blood and lied to the daddy about. He said he got eat up. Then he had another coat. That was the servant's coat. After he got promoted in Potiphar's house, he got him a nice jacket to show his position. But he got that and jerked off his back by Potiphar's wife. He lost it. He had another coat when he got into prison. The reason why I know that is because when they brought him out of prison, the Bible said they changed his raiment. And then he had one more coat, and that was the one that the Bible said that Pharaoh put on him. Uh, He had that, that vesture of fine linen, four different coats that he had. Kind of reminds me of the old saying that says, the shoe fits, wear it. Well, in this case, if the coat fits, You've got to wear it. Now, I'm, supp- I'm supposed that there would have been some of them coats Joseph would have wanted to wear. He would have wanted to wear the first one and the last one. The son's coat and the sovereign's coat, but I don't think he wanted anything to do with them two coats in the middle. But God didn't give him an option. He didn't ask him. God made him four jackets and he said, Boy, you're going to have to wear these coats. Because I am the one that is in control of your life. Amen. Right. Amen. I, uh, we had a little hospital down in the area where I used to pastor Sloop Memorial, it was called, Cross nowhere. And uh, I had to go get an x-ray one day, having some problems. And I went into the the waiting room for where they were x-raying, and it was an area that was no bigger I, I, than this right here. This little old hospital that was about that big. Had some chairs in there. And, of course, pastoring in the community there, everybody knew me, and I knew about everybody there. And I got to noticing all these fellas that had these funny gowns on, sitting out there. Old rough farmers. And uh, they would take them in there and x-ray them, And then they'd make, them, they'd make them put that funny gown on, that x-ray them. And then they wouldn't let them change clothes. They had to go out there and sit and wait. And it looked to me so embarrassing. You could see their kneecaps while they are trying to do this and trying to do that. And, you know, talking about the crop and potatoes and hay and stuff like that. With that old funny gown on. Somebody said that's why they call it ICU. I don't know. <laughs> 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 but. <laughs> there, yeah, you know. But here I am, the preacher. I don't want to do that. All them people know me. So it came time for me to go in and be x rayed, and they made me put that gown on. They done their x-ray, and they said, Preacher, you'll have to go out and wait till we can take another one. I said, ain't you got no place I can stay in here? They said, no, we don't have no place. got go. I said, I'm not going out there. <laughs> they said, the only thing we've got, and I'm telling you the truth, it was about the size of a high school locker. That's all they had in one of them. They said, that's all we got. I said, I'll take it. <laughs> And thank God I was about 30 pounds lighter. And I took and I squeezed inside that thing. I pulled the door through. And you know, you got them little s- slots there or whatever, you know, and I'd look out. Until it was my time to get, as mountain folks say, x-rayed again. And then I came back out. But what I'm simply trying to say is, there come certain times in your life when things are beyond your control. And you got to wear them and you've got to go through them and you've got to face them whether you like it or not. But my encouragement to your heart tonight is they're not out of God's control. But God is the one that is in charge of your life. And he has allowed everything to happen that is happening because he loves you. He's going to take care of you. Thank God. He is controlling us. He is conditioning us. He is conforming us for what is ahead. He knows the end from the beginning. But He is the force. He is the power behind Joseph's life, thank God. We see a secret feeling. We see a secret force. But then, lastly, I want you to notice with me in Joseph's life, I see a secret. And again, I'm not talking about something he's trying to hide, but something that you have to look close to find. Let's go back to our text, Genesis chapter number 40. I see Joseph's faith in in his dreams. I see his faith exercised in his dreams. Look with me, if you will, in verse number 8. Joseph goes in to these servants of Pharaoh, they look sad, they've had a bad night, and he asks them what's wrong. Look in verse 8, they said unto him, we have dreamed a dream, and now wait a minute. As far as I know there've been no dreams in Joseph's life up to this point and it's been somewhere around 11 years no dreams but you remember the last dream Joseph had anybody here you remember you remember the last dream he had well, what was that dream about seemed to me it was a dream about everybody Is going to bow to me. Was that the dream? In two different phases. I'm going to ask you something. It's been 11 years. Who's bowed? Has anybody bowed to Joseph? Not one. Who's been doing all the bowing? He's a servant. What does a servant do? He bows. (laughs) A hundred times a day. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And don't you know, every time he bowed, the devil came down and whispered to him What about your dream, here, buddy? What, well, by the way, what was your dream about, Joseph? Well, everybody's supposed to bow. What are you doing, Joseph? Well, I'm doing all about is Isn't that something? Amen. The way I'd figure that is, if I had a dream like Joseph had, and nine years later things had turned out like they did, I figured I'd had too much garlic and (laughs) onions, Wouldn't you? And don't you imagine them boys back up in the mountains just kind of laughing and chuckling about it? wonder who's bound in Egypt now since we sold it. Huh? And then one day he walks into this room and here's these two guys sitting there and he says to them, what's the problem? They said, "Uh, well, we've had a dream. (laughs) Now if I'd have been Joseph and my dream had turned out like I had it, you know what I'd have said? Sorry, boys. I'll see you later. (laughs) You'll have to see somebody else about this because, man, last time I ain't got over the last dream I had. I don't want to mess with no more dreams. I'll tell you that. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Right. But notice his faith. God gave him this dream about his future. And the fact that nothing has turned out like the dream says has, has left him unshaken in spite of it. Because notice what he said. Do not interpretations belong to God. Dream. Woo, he said. I haven't heard more in 11 years. What was it, boys? I can't wait for it. <laughs> Tell me the dream, I pray. you. His faith, this, this, this reveals his faith. His faith is unshaken in spite of everything that has fallen apart around his life. He still believes God faith is unshaken. Notice in uh, chapter 41, verse 15. His faith, talking about those dreams, his faith is not only unshaken, but his faith is unafraid. Look in verse 15. Pharaoh, verse 14 said, Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. They brought him up hastily out of the dungeon. Shaved himself, changed his raiment, came in unto Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have dreamed a dream. <laughs> I imagine the devil got on Joseph's shoulder right there and said, boy, if you don't have no more luck than what you did to your past dream, you better leave this and along. This guy will cut your head off. He don't mess with folks. They fool around with dreams and don't give the right interpretation. If kings don't sleep, nobody sleeps. And if he gets mad, you're going to lose your head. Leave this thing alone, boy. Please don't go in there. (laughs) I can hear some of the boys that like him in prison. Oh, Joseph, don't do that. Surely you wouldn't do that. And he marches right into the king's presence. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Verse 15, I've dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. I've understood that thou canst understand dreams to interpret. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, I'm not qualified. Is that what he said? Look at it. He said, it is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Oh, he's got a faith that in spite of all the hell that he's went through, he still believes God's going to come through. Yeah. 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 And his faith is unafraid. But then let me point this one out to you. His faith is unlimited. Amen. Hebrews 11 and verse 22. Get this verse. Hebrews 11 and verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. (laughs) Joseph said, I trusted God when I was at home with Daddy. I trusted God when I rode the caravan into Egypt. I trusted God when I was on the slave block. And I trusted God as a servant. I trusted God when they put me in prison. I have trusted God all the way. And he said, boys, I'm fixing to die. And you're going to bury me. But he said, I want to tell you something. God told my grandpa, he told my great-grandpa that we was all going to be in Egypt for 430 years. And when that was over with, that we were coming out, amen. Yeah. he said. I'm not going to live to see that. You're going to bury me down here, but I want you to make a promise to me that when you pull out, you'll dig my bones up and carry my bones out. Cause God's going to keep His promise. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. Yeah, amen. Yeah. I call that bone thing. <laughs> Because if you can believe God for your bones, what else is left? (laughs) Not too hard to believe God for your eyesight. Not too hard to believe God for your heart and your liver and everything else. If you can believe God for your bones, because that's about as deep as you can go. He had bone faith, believing God. For everything in his life, that God was going to see it through, and He did see it through. Unlimited faith. You say, preacher? Did uh, Did Joseph's dreams ever come to pass? Well, let me just read you a verse or two, chapter forty-three, and verse number twenty-six. When Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand into the house and did what? Bowed themselves. Ain't that something? Oh, that's a blessing, ain't it? Bowed themselves unto him. Verse 28, And they answered, Thy servant, our father, is in good health. He is yet alive. And they bowed their heads and did what? Made obeisance. Well, God was right all the time, wasn't he? Yeah. Right all the time. Look in, uh, look in chapter number 42, verse, verse number uh, 6. Joseph was governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Verse 9. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them. It all came to pass just like God said it would. And you know why it came to pass? Because Joseph believed God for every facet of his life. Oh, he had those feelings. He knew God was the force behind his life. And he believed God by faith. I had an old fella up in my church that I pastored. The last one I pastored for 18 years, and uh, Charlie Ward was his name. He is the meanest man that ever run into, but he got right with God, got born again, and I was always amused to go by Charlie's house and talk to him. I went often. I loved. I loved the way he phrased things. I just, I, I just, when I'd hear him, I'd say, man, I wish I could have said that. He'd say it in such simple terms. And I was sitting at the table across from him. His wife would always feed me. That's why I went too. <laughs> <laughs> We're sitting across the table, and, and uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me while he was talking and said, now I want you to listen. I'm going to teach you something. And Charlie was just talking away in his simple way. I mean, he would say things. I remember one day sitting on the couch. He said, "Preacher, you see that door right there?" I said, "Sure do, Charlie." He said, "That door points toward the east." And he said, "The Bible, don't the Bible say he's coming back on the cloud?" I said, "Sure does, Charlie." He said, "Well, what I do is said every day I look out that door, and every cloud that comes across that hill, said I look to see if he's on it." And I, I was sitting there at the table, and the Lord said, "I'm going to teach you something." He said Charlie, he can't read and write, and he said he don't know as much of the Bible as you do, and he ain't been to school to learn anything. And he said, "I want you to listen, this son. It's not how much you know that counts, but it's how much you believe what you know." And old Charlie believed that. John 3, 16 was so, and son, did he believe it. I went by one day and the Jehovah's Witnesses had just went to his house. I wondered why they left in such a hurry. Charlie believed in hell. I don't know if they did or not after he was done, but I'll guarantee you one thing, they didn't move old Charlie. (laughs) <laughs> he couldn't read them no verses. He didn't know the terminology, but he breathed as a whole. And they knew there's was wasting their time with joy. <laughs> and don't you know there were times when somebody might have said to Joseph, and no doubt he said to himself, and the devil spoke to him and said, Joseph, son, give up on those dreams. It's, it give up on them can't you look and see that it's never going to turn out that way and as faith always is I can hear Joseph say well I would give up if I could but I can't I just clean, keep it clean and isn't that the truth of genuine faith it won't give up it just keeps it clean because there's something down on the inside I give you this and I close. I heard a preacher talk about being out west. He said he'd come upon what looked like a man that was pumping a well. The closer he got to it, he realized that, that it was a, just a, man, a, a wooden figure that they had put the joints in and it wouldn't move. And it still looked like it was pumping water. And so he said he pulled over to the side, got out of his car, walked up there, and he said he didn't have to get too close to realize that, uh, that it was just a wooden figure. And that the man wasn't pumping the water. It was an artesian whale shooting up from the bottom. And the man wasn't pumping the water, but the water was pumping the man. And I'm here to tell you something. This thing, a walking of God, it's a matter of the water pumping the man. It's that faith that's on the inside that cannot be quenched and cannot be stopped. And though all the obstacles of hell come against you, somehow Joseph said, tell me the dream, God. Can, and can I say to you tonight, though your life may be in shambles and shatters and the devil's telling you it's all over with, believe God. He made his promise and it will come to pass. Let's stand by right here. Our Father, take these words tonight, bury them deep within our hearts, strengthen that soul that is here, help us to trust you. I thank you, dear Lord, that you know what we go through, you know our feelings, our heartaches, and our pains, because you have already been there. I pray, Father, that you'd encourage the hearts of your people tonight, meet their needs, whatever it may be. We'll thank you and praise you for what you do. In Christ Jesus' name we pray.